I really appreciate the ask to for me to come here to speak with you. Um, I, I normally don't speak about service. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of reserved that way. So when I was asked, it was kind of almost debilitating, if you would. You know, you don't want to be braggadocious. You don't want to, you just want to do. Some of us just want to do. We want to be in the background. Um, and we just want to do that, you know. So if I feel and look uncomfortable, I am. <clears throat> but I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to go with it. I also want to thank my wife who's here. Uh, we just celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary. 29 years. I say that because um, I've really ridden her coattails for 29 years. <laughs> so I really appreciate her being here to support me. Uh, in the majority of my life, she has been with me, my adult life. She has been with me and she supported me while I was in the military. So that's a huge thing. Um, those of you that have served, those of you who, who have family that serves, you know the toll that it takes on a family. You also know the toll um, that it takes on that spouse. You know, we don't just serve, our family serves, our wives serve. Now, I met her in the Marine Corps, believe it or not. Uh, and those of you that can see her, just take a look at her just for a second. I always like to embarrass her every now and again, but take a look at her real quick. Um, she was a welder in the Marine Corps. Yes. Really? You know, if you look at stereotypes, she does not fit that stereotype, does she? But, you know, that is my wife and I really appreciate her. You know, as um, I am honored to have served. I got to tell you that I am truly Honored for the 20 years that I've served in the Marine Corps. It was my honor to do that. Um, I grew up in Detroit and I immediately, 17 years old, my mom had to sign for me to go into the military. For me to be an adult, she had to sign for me so I can be an adult, so I can make that signature myself and become a Marine. Um, at age 18, I was serving in my first duty station in Okinawa, Japan. Um, so I've been all over the world and I've served in many places and I've been in a combat environment at least twice and been in combat once. Um, I have seen things that I wish you all can see. And I've seen things that I wish I can forget. But as I think about my service, my service is not just in the Marine Corps. It started, you know, as a young boy and my mom would send me to um, my neighbor's house, you know, um, the elderly neighbors in the neighborhood, I would go and go grocery shopping for them, you know. Um, and even when I grew up, I remember being a paper boy and I would go and deliver papers, you know, as paper boys, you know, back then we had paper boys. He's, he follows me. Back then we had paper boys and we would go deliver papers. Um, and every time I went to an elderly person's house, they would give me cocoa, you know, because I'm in Detroit, give me cocoa and cookies. So it at least be about four homes that I can do that. And I saw the value of service in that. And I would hear great conversations of people that was in the woe. You know, older people say woe. We say war. Uh, 
So uh, I would hear those conversations. It, it would, for me, it would be a beautiful thing to listen. I always l- love the value of those type of conversations for people who've been places that I've never been and seen things that I've never seen and seeing things that I hope to have never seen. Uh, and those that uh, risk their selves or put themselves out there to share, it's been a beautiful thing. So I am encouraged to be here. I am thankful to be here. And um, for me, when the opportunity came up, as Adam said, um, Andy, excuse me, I'll get it right by the end of this, okay? Um, You know, I I thought about um, what my daughter was going through, what she must be going through, because I think it's been about five years. It was Christmas Eve. And my wife was having a conversation with my daughter. And in the conversation, she noticed that my daughter's eyes were yellow. Uh, And she asked me, um, Omar, can you see that her eyes, you can see that her eyes are yellow, right? You know, that's a loaded question when when your bride says right at the end of it, okay? (laughs) So me being a good husband, I said, yes, I can see that her eyes are yellow. But really... I started to notice that her eyes were yellow. Uh, And so my wife started to try to persuade my daughter to go to the hospital. Uh, And my daughter had a shift at work. And she said, hey, if I feel bad once I leave, I'm feeling a little bit, I don't know. But if I feel worse, I would go to the doctor afterward. Well, she never made it through her shift. She went to the hospital or she was taken to the hospital where she spent several days and we were there with her. And at one moment we thought that she was going to, they actually moved her to the transplant ward. Now she was an adult at the time and it's hard for your child to be talked to from a doctor and they're not sharing those things with you. If you've ever been through that, that's kind of a interesting situation. Uh, I don't care how old you are, your daughter's still your daughter, but this, she was just, into that, you know, she's barely considered, you know, an adult. She wasn't even old enough to drink. So um, she's having this conversation and we're on the fringes. I'm asking questions. My wife is asking many questions and they're telling us, no, I need to speak with her. Um, so there, th- that conversation ensues. She's moved to the transplant war- uh, ward And the nurses are really freaked out about it because everybody else in that ward is probably four times her age, you know, on average, three to four times her age. So this is the youngest person they've ever seen in that ward. So they're really kind of confused themselves. So we're having this conversation and a blessing happens. She starts to recover. But in her recovery, the doctor says, you got five maybe 10 years left on that liver. So, you know, that ended last year during the pandemic. So she started to have complications. She, by that time, moved to Austin. And in Austin is a wonderful hospital in Dallas. Uh, We have great friends in Dallas. A friend I served with in boot camp is in Dallas. And when he learned of everything that was going on, everybody rallied around her to support her and us. 
So it's been kind of a beautiful uh, journey. We got an opportunity uh, as a family to consider being a live donor. So several of us went through that process. Uh, And I couldn't be happier to be in this situation. I got to be honest. My wife gave her uh, life. The least I can do is preserve it. That's just my thought there. She's going through something. I can't touch, taste, or feel it. I know it's very powerful. So pray for her. Pray for my bride. So when, when I think of service, I think of my time in the military. And one thing I really think of, if I can get this right, and I mean by right is get this iPad to work for me. Um, but when I think of my service, I think of two things. I think of the, you know, the national anthem and I think of taps. Those are two things that I still get chills today when I hear, you know, um, I still get those chills down my back when I'm in some sort of par- parade, some sort of ceremony. And those two songs are played, especially taps, because that has a, a, a huge symbolic reference to any person who's on a military installation. Taps is played every night at the end of the day. Okay. And it's played at every funeral. Um, and it just means the pageantry and the sacrifice and the closing of the day and the closing of a chapter of a person's life in the military. So I, I, I when I think of service, I always think of that. My, my heart trembles a little bit when I think of taps. So um, my service as was said earlier is, you know, truly with me understanding God's presence in my life. There's just certain things, you know, I, there, there is a testimony about me just being here today. So there has been things that I've seen, places that I've done um, that I said that God had to prepare me for that, for me to be there. And I've noticed things that happened in the past that allow me the presence of mind to be in the current now. So that's been kind of exciting for me. I hope that you in your service, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, realize those things that have happened before that places you to be able to deal with those situations in the now. I'm excited about the prospect of helping my daughter in a way that I shared with you earlier. I don't know how I'm going to feel in September. You know, I don't. But um, I'm going to walk right through that. All right. So that brings us to our first. If you can click, that brings us to our first scripture. Um, the greatest among you shall be your servant. I, you know, this is about service. This is about the 4th of July. Just, just this is about what all that means to not just me as a service member, but to you, because some of you are in service of your family. Some of you are in service to friends and networks of friends and and even other military people and may even have jobs serving um, in some capacity or, or another. But we always ask ourselves, how are we spending our time, you know, in that service? Um, how are we, is it related to our job? Is it related to what we do 
outside of our job? How are we spending that time in service? And are you spending that time in service? Because there's a great sense of reward that comes from service, not just from that person. It's reciprocal because it comes to you as well. I've, you know, I've, I've helped build houses in Okinawa, Japan, you know, and I, and back then I didn't even know what it was because I was only 19 years old. You know, I didn't know what Habitat for Humanity was, you know, but uh, the interesting thing is that service, when you see somebody work on their own home and you're working beside them and they say, and they thank you because this is my house. And you're like, whoa, you know, I thought I was just building it for somebody else. And they thank you because they're putting nails in their own home. <laughs> they're building it. You know, and, and I look at that because um, um, my twin brother um, in his foundation laid a Bible in his foundation. He had a ceremony, beautiful ceremony with his kids. <coughs> excuse me. And they laid a Bible in their foundation. And I thought it was a beautiful concept, a beautiful thing to do. But when you put nails in your own home and you service to your own home, you really protect it in that way. The thought is more deeper entrenched to what you must do to hold that home steady. And I'm not just talking about the home because that's just the building. I'm talking about those within the home. I'm talking about those. Thank you so much. You're reading my mind. So um, so we think about those things. How do we put that house together? What are we doing with that house? Who are we really protecting? Are we protecting the house itself or are we protecting those who would dwell in it? We're protecting those who would dwell in it. That's our service. You know, I'm blessed with the friend network that I have. I'm blessed that um, moving on to the next slide. I'm blessed with our community. You know, what, what we're able to accomplish together, what we're able to do together, the awesome contribution that we can make is through our church. What a great way to find ways to contribute, to contribute to your community by being a part of a great church. And the greatest part of yourself is your contribution. Whatever it may be, that is the greatest part of you. The greatest part of you comes from your service to others. <laughs> That's kind of a powerful concept. We often don't think of what it does to us to contribute to others. I will tell you, for me, the greatest thing that has happened to me, really the greatest gift that I've been given is the ability to care for others and that unconditional love that it takes to be able to care for someone else. Whether it's doing a community service project, whether it's building a home, whether it's caring for someone on their last days and not really knowing that it's their last days. You know, I, I once cared for a man who confessed their hate for me. Um, and it was very interesting to get to know that man in his last days. And when I was caring for him, shaving him, bathing him, trimming his nails, the conversations that ensued with that was just amazing to me. Some people would have been 
nauseous by some of the things that I see. I was completely humbled and completely um, at peace with it. I was really excited to be a fly on the wall based on the conversations that I would have. There's an, there's an older uh, movie called, I think it's called Ascent, Scent of a Woman or something like that. If you've ever seen that movie, you might want to see it because it really talks about service to another person. Um, this one character is in a service to another character. And he is literally, the, the character is blind. He's a war vet. Uh, and he's in service to that person. And he learns so much about life based on his service to that person. This was almost a similar, you know, experience that I was being in. And I was really, I didn't understand the movie until I was in it myself. And it was such a beautiful moment for me. And people came to me and said, how can you do this? You know, how can you be that kind of service to that person? They couldn't understand it. But they didn't hear some of the things that I heard, the honesty that I heard, the, the conversations that I heard, what it felt like to serve that person, what it felt like for that person to, you know, um, really do a 180 about their perceptions about me. So it was just a interesting, what, what do you learn from people you don't have those conversations with? You know, um, cause sometimes, People do things because they've always been introduced to a lie. So they don't know anything better. So their truth can also come from you. It's kind of an interesting thing. Next slide. So I asked myself, why am I honored to be here with you today? Uh, You know, I always ask myself these questions when people ask me, to speak or when I'm privileged to be able to meet people who may not look like me, who may have different values than I do, may have different political beliefs than I do. Why am I honored to be in their presence? For me, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom somebody wanting me to speak, number one, but number two, um, really talk about service and that honor to be in someone else's presence. I'm honored to be here with you because I know the challenges that we all face and they're similar. So I want to share the example that I share your challenges and I love you for it. (laughs) We are all faced with some things that have happened currently and they're no different than any other situation. Our climate has really tasked us. It has really brought us to a place where no other time in history are people who do not look like each other are considering other people's feelings. What a powerful thing. What a powerful message. I don't have to agree with you to consider how you feel. Matter of fact, hearing your story is probably a more powerful message than hearing any data that may come out. Because I feel the same thing you feel. I have felt some of the same feelings you have felt in different other ways, different other contexts. So I can definitely relate to that. You know, so it's important for us to share the story. It's not important for you to agree with it. It really doesn't matter because the feelings are the thing that will allow us to bridge the gap. So, um, and I know what you did last summer. 
Some of you went on a peace walk, and that was a beautiful event. I was so exact, uh, happy to be a part of that. You know, uh, I, I didn't belong to any of the churches that was here. I just heard about it, literally heard about it on Facebook. So Facebook, wow, figure that one out. There's many things that we say about Facebook, right? So I heard about about Facebook, and I said, well, that's where I work. It's in the area. I know that area. Let me come out. And it was such a beautiful event. It taught me how much people who do not look like me, because there were more people who do not look like me that was there than people who look like me that was there, how many questions that they have. And everybody was inviting. If you were there, everybody was inviting, saying hello to everybody. Now, I'm a, a natural person when it comes to wanting to say hello, not wanting to reveal, but definitely wanting to say hello. So I was excited about it. A couple of folks I knew, we walked, we, we talked together. I was excited about it. And then we prayed. Pretty awesome. <laughs> I was truly moved by that event. And not only that, I was asked to be a part of conversations as if I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> so I was ex excited about that. And we had multiple conversations about things that have been going on and, and continue to go on. You know, some would have you believe, if you can just click to the next slide, some politicians and, and some media outlets would have us believe that we can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, really. And, and I, and I want to be honest with you, and I want to get this right, so I'm going to, I wrote my thoughts down, um, and I kind of, because this is me, and I wanted to share how I feel, how I think about it. Like, I cannot deplore police brutality and love those who protect and serve. Uh, it's, it's either one or the other. Like, I can't do both. Like, I cannot love my country and deplore its racist past. Like, I cannot love my education system for all that is given me, all the degrees, all the teachers that I ran across, all the people in those schools that have inspired me. You know, my favorite teacher is Miss King in first grade. I'm in my 50s. And my favorite teacher was one of the first teachers I've ever had. I still remember Miss King. You can't tell me she's still not on this planet. Don't tell me. I'm just going to tell you that was my favorite teacher. So I love my education, but I am compelled to say that I think we need to do more. That's all. I can also deplore racism, but still love my white brothers and sisters. This is something that was, I'm going to just go ahead and share. As if I could not have served my country for 20 years honorably, and still have honor, courage, and commitment for the service that I retired out of and for the flag for which it stands for and the people that I've served with and still deplore the fact that the third stanza in our national anthem talks about killing enslaved people and the poor. I have a hard time with that. But I still get chills when I stand up and hear those that song. So that brings us 
to the last scripture. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but it's not your freedom. Did we just say that earlier today? But it's not your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is a very powerful concept to me. Love your neighbor, someone you do not know, as you would yourself. You know, I'm always thinking about my neighbors when I used to deliver a paper and they used to ask me to come in, not knowing me. Most all of my neighbors didn't look like me. All of my neighbors, none of them looked like me. And they would ask me to come in, sit me down, give me some cocoa, hot cocoa. I'm talking about dead of winter. I needed that time. Trust me, I needed that time. I don't know what those grandmas was doing. Uh, How do they know that? But obviously they knew it from their own experience. And they would ask me in, give me some cookies and send me on my way. I'll deliver more more, um, papers and have an opportunity to do that at least two more times throughout my my paper route. And I I think I was a paper boy for so long because of how my neighbors treated me. I got to be honest. So when when I think of that scripture... I think about the founding of our country. And it's based on the unprecedented idea that our lives belong to us. Not to a king, not to a pope, not to a state, but to you. To pursue your own happiness. The founders believe um, that that was the job of the government to protect that right. And even um, back in 1885, in January, there were um, the then Secretary of War went to Georgia to talk to the newly enslaved, um, newly freed enslaved people and said to them, what, what did it mean to serve your country in this past war? What do you want from your country? How did all that shape out? And that's where we got 40 acres and a mule because they came and gave them a parcel of land that would later be rescinded uh, and gave them mules. So, again, a little history lesson behind that. But um, they got land. It was later rescinded um, after uh, Lincoln was assassinated. Um, But that's what they wanted. They wanted to live free. That's all they wanted. That's all we want. So when you think about the 4th of July, think about the rights of the sovereign individual. Think about how we should celebrate this 4th of July and every 4th of July under the truth that service to others brings healing, brings community, brings equity, and brings inclusion. Because it's not just we bring people to the table but that when they come to the table, that what they say means something. That is the powerful message of the 4th of July. And that's honestly why I served for those many years. The first couple of four, that was a granite. I came in and and that recruiter just got me before the army. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
But the point of the matter, after that, that was willful. I was enjoying my service, and I thought it was necessary for me to continue on. Now, the last four years, I had to, my wife had to convince me to stay. Omar, you only have four more years. You can do this. This is for us. So I really appreciate the opportunity for me to spend a couple of moments with you guys. It's been a blessing to me. Your presence in my life has totally been a blessing and continues to be a blessing. So I'm truly honored to be here. I'm truly honored to be your speaker, to have been your speaker. And I look forward to seeing you guys again. Thank you.